Welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 18. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. And I'm Andrew Frick. How's everything going? Pretty good, yeah. Really good. Yeah. Uh, since the last episode, I have watched Rogue One twice oh. in theaters. <laughs> I've already bought a Cassian action figure. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. <laughs> and nice. I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan, so yeah. that, says, that says a lot. That's awesome. Now, Cassian is the uh, spy, the rebel spy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were talking earlier about how interesting that character is because when I, I remember being so shocked at the start of the movie, uh, minor spoiler, well, maybe I won't say anything, but he does something at the start of the movie yeah. that's shocking. You make you think he's going to be a villain character. He dies. No, he doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> I but don't know. He does, you know, it, it's interesting. I don't know if I ever expected him to be a villain even from that beginning scene, but he's definitely a morally ambiguous character who yeah, has yeah. who has I think a really interesting story arc. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. Great. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I need to go see it again. I haven't it's been I only saw it once. Uh, me too. I, so. I may not get a chance to see it until the, you know, release and yeah. and then watch it a ton then. I um, remember Cassian's name just as a side note yeah. because his last name is Andor. And I just remember that because Legend oh, of Andor yeah. is a board game I like. So I'm like, Andor, <laughs> got it. Yeah. yeah, I might go see it a third time, but also I need to go see the terrible looking Assassin's Creed movie because that seems hilarious. <laughs> I also want to see Hidden Figures. And tomorrow I'm going to go see the special showing of, uh, of uh, what's it called? One of the Ghibli movies. Oh, oh. Do you know there's a new one? Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, not a new one. It's, it's an old one, one that, that they're they, doing a they, they're doing they're a special Spirited Away or No, it's not Spirited yeah, Away. It was never here. It's the one that we keep yeah. talking about that Haven is like, I can't remember the oh, name Princess of it. Mononoke. Something. Princess Mononoke. Oh, really? It's a special showing. Yeah, they're they're showing uh Princess Mononoke in theaters like Thursday night they're doing it in oh, Japanese with English that. subtitles then next Monday they're doing it with the English dub now, is that? now Brenda have you never seen this? theaters all over oh I've seen it oh, tons okay. of times okay. I just want to see it in the theaters yeah. we've all seen this a, right? because yeah. it's a very good movie such a good movie I love Agreed. that movie yeah. I went a couple years ago they were doing a similar thing with the Last Unicorn, oh, yeah. where they were, oh, yeah. where the author of the book, Peter Beagle, was touring around the country, and they were doing special screenings of the movies in like oh. theaters. Mm, cool. Went to see that. Cried during the opening credits. <laughs> I I really love that book and that movie. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have seen it, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. And... Princess Mononoke was my sister Rose's favorite movie growing up. Yeah. So she would watch it basically on repeat for days. So there were a few years where I couldn't watch it. I couldn't stand it anymore because oh, she'd watched you got it so, so sick many of it. times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I've seen Princess Mononoke many times. Yes, um, I. It, it it's one of my favorite Ghibli movies. And, oh, um, is it Last Unicorn that you have? Last Unicorn. Seen? I've only seen okay. one time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Princess Mononoke is great, and I think the movie I've watched many times, but Joe Hitachi's soundtrack. I've probably listened to even more. It's very oh, good. oh yeah, love the music. Oh, oh, you mean uh, Hisa Hisaishi? Oh, that's oh, his name. Oh, there, pronunciation <laughs> there, folks. Nice, yes. thank you. Good yeah. to know. But uh, so, have no, you? That's cool. Okay, I keep zigzagging on topics here, but have you read the book of the Last Unicorn? No, I have a comic book adaptation. Yes, as a graphic uh, novel. Yeah. I have that too. I have, okay. I have the graphic. Novel. You got to read the novel. Yeah, it's beautiful. You got to read okay. the novel because yeah. it's it's. I hesitate to say it's better than the movie because I love the movie. 
And I think the movie is a really good adaptation of it, but it has so much more in it that really adds to it. Like, Schmendrick has a really cool backstory, and just the language is really cool, and there's a lot of sort of meta-narrative on fantasy stories in general that you don't get as much in the film. Hmm. So it's okay. worth reading. Yeah. Yeah, I have heard that that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. So how was uh, game playing over the holidays? We haven't, so we skipped last week's episode because we were all busy with holidays. We were on vacation. Playing games and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So what'd you play? Anything that was interesting? Well, let's see. I've played, um, uh, can I start? Yeah. All right. Dive in. Shotgun. (laughs) Uh, So I was able to play a few board games. Um, I had a great board game night with some friends at my buddy Aaron's house. And uh, I learned Orleans, or Orléans, for the first time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked that. Um, and then we played Clank uh, that evening. We played Power Grid with the Ireland map. Oh. And we played Colt Express. And oh, good, you guys got a lot of that. And Good Cop, stuff. Bad Cop. We got oh, a couple okay. of games of that in, too. So, yeah, we got a lot of games on that one evening. And, um, and that was, like, the first of three game experiences I had this last week. And I played heavy Euro games. I I would think Orleans Orleans was kind of like the first one for me. So so tell me about that one. Is that have that's you not played, dice have you played rolling one? right? No, dice it's not. placement, something so like that. It's kind of a deck builder. Oh, okay. but you have like four or five different types of workers, like uh, like monks and farmers and scholars, but they're on these discs. Okay, and when you get them, you throw them in a bag. Yeah, and on your turn, depending on how many knights you have, that determines how many discs you get to draw out of your bag oh yeah and that's then you line them up on these circles on the bottom of your board and there's a limit to how many guys you can have and okay. if you don't use them you get to keep them down there for the next round so that as you draw more you'll still have the extras but then every action on the action board will say something like this one needs a boatman and a farmer and if you put one of each of those types of guys on the space you get to take that action mm. another one might say you need a knight and a scholar and this kind of guy if you get so those, you gotta send more you, than one guy to go do something right you can leave the one guy on the space and he just sits there yeah. but once you fill all the spaces they all get retrieved and put back in the bag and then okay. the action activates so like maybe to move on there's a main map as well like a main board where you're moving your guy is like a traveler and he's building like his outposts or warehouses or something and you're collecting goods and so the ability to move on rivers or the ability to move on roads is dependent on different actions that you're placing yeah. your guys for. Other ones let you get more of each type of the different guys. There's like getting more farmers, getting more boatsmen, getting more knights and yeah. and you're buying them their supplies so when the supply is empty no one can get that guy anymore. Oh. And every time you get a certain type of guy when you recruit the new people there's an action that you also get. You move up on some sort of tracker and it gives you more wheat or more uh, yeah. cheese or something you know and these different resources so it's like you know all these engines you're trying to all these different tracks you know each one benefits in different ways now it might can, be kind of like russian railroads a little oh bit yeah okay regard. i've played that now have you can you lose a guy or once you get yes. a guy oh okay there are events at the end of every turn <laughs> and some of them are plagues and oh, they no. make you randomly take a guy from your bag oh. and throw him away and one of the hardest guys to get is a monk because he's a wild and he can be used for any other uh. thing three times in the game you I drew, drew the monk. and drew a monk. <laughs> and once the monks all ran out, you can't get more, so... They're, like, dead oh, forever. No. They're dead forever. Pile. They're gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was... This, is, this is one I've wanted to play for a long time, yeah. so... It was good. Yeah. That was the first of three heavy Euro games, and I can tell you about the other two in just a moment. Yeah. Why don't we... Yeah, let's go around the table, sort of back yeah. and forth. Uh, I didn't really play much new over the break. I played a round of Sushi Go with my siblings, which I... I bought Sushi Go for my eight-year-old sister, Ella, 
for her birthday earlier this year. So she really likes to play that with me when I go visit. And I played, you know, more Stardew Valley and Pokemon. But uh, I actually didn't play this one, but my dad and my brothers played this co-op game that my older brother owns. I don't remember the title of it. Let's see if you guys know what <laughs> sure, it is. Sure. Guess New what segment. it is from the description. Game guessing. Because <laughs> I did. Because Brenna doesn't. Game guessing because Brenna doesn't pay attention. I bet between the two of us. We'll I figure we'll you guys probably know what it is. Okay. All right. So it's a sci-fi themed co-op game. Okay. That's sort of a deck builder. Like it's mostly cards. But each player has sort of a player mat with these arrows on it with like red and blue. And uh, waves of enemies come out that you have to try to defeat on that come on the red track. Yeah, I I know this game. It's not Space Alert. No, it's not Space Alert. It is a, let's see, it's a game by, no, I've seen it. So so (laughs) I do, no, I know the game. So you have, everybody has their own track. Yes, everyone has their own track. And they have cards in front of them. Mm-hmm. And the cards have aliens on them, and they move toward your like the end, and you have to kind of beat them before. And you can and you can help each other. Yeah. So you look at the other guy, and you'll see that there's some aliens coming. Is this Panic? The Panic one that Stronghold mm-hmm. Games did? No, no, it's not a Stronghold game. Um, it's by a big game company though, and I can't oh, remember I'm exactly. Stop digging this. I'm gonna know what it is. I'm so, gonna be so upset. So like the two people and they're sitting next to each other, and you'll say, "Oh, okay, if if we don't help you." then that alien's gonna come and hurt you really bad. So you'll kind of help someone's line of aliens that are heading toward them. And then it'll go to the next player and then they'll draw a card and, and stuff will move toward them. So you're, you are working together. So it's kind of like a tower defense. It's, a, it's like kind of a tower defense, but yeah. you have to work together to decide what the priorities it's are. It's not Space Hulk De- Death Angel. No. And it's not that um, Cerberus one, the big Cerberus, the Dalis project. No, so I don't think it's either. that. It's oh, man, it's called know. like onslaught or There's level a... seven, level seven uh, protocol or omega or one of those. Maybe. No, that's that one is like that's more crawl. of a board, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, with with more moving. Folks, I am done <laughs> guessing. There we go. Frankly. I'm ashamed. There's a listener probably, out there. Probably a lot of people know what we're talking. Yeah, screaming at us right now. Keep there screaming, are, guys. There are listeners out there screaming at their phones right now, like, I know what this is. Yeah. Well, okay. Sorry, guys. That's what they played. They played that, huh? Cool. Yeah. So I'm I, sure you'll all tweet at us what the name is, and we can we can announce it on on the show next week. Yeah. I played Caverna twice. Uh, it's a game that I I bought after the the hype. You know? Uh huh. Uh, I had played Agricola, so back in the day, I bought Agricola and played it, and I really liked it, but I could never get anyone to play it with me, so I had to to trade it away, even though I love the design, and I've played it a lot on iPad. Uh, Anyway, years after, maybe a year after the hype for Caverna, I, I went out and bought it, and started to play it, and the first game I played with Mallory, she hated it. Uh... She's like, I'm never playing this again, and because there was just too much, you know. It's, yeah. it's a very, it's it's a heavy game. I mean, compared to some other games, I guess it's not that heavy. It could be a, there are other games that are like that that are even more intense. But right, um, did she like? Did she like Agricola? She liked it back in the day, but again, it was hard to get to the table. Yeah, you know. So, and it had been a long time since we played it. Um, anyway, 
now I, I got her to play it again uh, a few times after that. And then this year we played it twice and, you know, both times just had such a great time. It's really fun, that game, when you're familiar with the game and you can sort of try to push the boundaries. You know, you're, you're like trying to push the wall. Like that first game when you're, when you, you just have no idea the value of anything and, and you're just kind of stumbling around and at the end of the game, you, you're hoping you get a good score and it's a lot of guesswork. And then the next time after you're familiar, you're like pushing the edges and that's sort of, I, th- I think that's when it gets fun. But, yeah. But I still like Agricola better than Caverna. I really, I really like Caverna. I mean, yeah. do you, what do you think? I'm, I, I agree. Yeah. So here's the thing, uh, Agricola, uh, Agricola, however we want to pronounce it, or Agricola, really, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You know, was the, was a game from Z-Man. It came out like 2007, about. Yeah. And uh, I guess I should be explaining. What it was these re- games yeah, are it, like. was, it was re-released <laughs> yeah. as, uh, or not re-released, but it was basically Uwe Rosenberg, the game designer, kind of re-implemented it with Caverna, where instead of having decks of cards, which you randomly got cards as different actions. He basically put made tiles that all the information would be open information on tiles. Yeah, and I think he even previously implemented that in an Agricola two-player game called All Creatures Big and Small. Oh, yeah. The expansions did that, where every expansion was just more and more and more buildings, yeah. like how Caverna did. So the open information versus the you know the less known hidden information that's your personal things to work on. I think because there's the randomness in Agricola. Yeah, it's. Every game is a little bit different in that. And yeah. whereas everything like is that. known in Caverna, I feel that if you play with the same people, you, it's hard for anyone, right, to take a strategy that you're naturally inclined to take and break from your own pattern yeah. to go in a way that you're less comfortable and try a strategy. So what ends up happening, I think, a lot of times is people end up going the same in strategies. Caverna. Like in, in a game like Caverna. Yes. When I play it... Last time I played, I was like, okay, I always do this thing. I'm really going to try to go opposite of that thing. Like, right. I always yeah. get more in mines and go on adventures. And then the last time I played, I was, like, farming. I was totally focused on farming. So, Agricola, we've talked about that before. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. That's a farming game, worker placement game. Um, and it's very, it's a very tight game. And like, like Andrew was saying, you have these occupation cards that are random every time. And... And so it makes the game different for everybody. But in Caverna, yeah, like all the things that they're, I guess in this time, they're rooms. So in Caverna, you're a family of dwarves and you're sort of digging through the mountain and farming outside and you go on adventures. Oh, that's fun. And it's a, it's kind of a fun spin on the theme. I actually right. like the theme a lot better. Yeah. It's, the adventuring it's, in adventuring is, is fun. It's yeah. really a nice <laughs> I wish that was back yeah. backwards. And like last time I collected like this pile of rubies and, and so I have all these gems all over my board. It's it's cool, you know. I like the I like the theme. But yeah, uh, definitely. Anyway. We'll have to play those soon. Yeah. Anyway. Well, so the next big heavy game I did is kind of falling in line here is was also a Nuve Rosenberg game and it was Aura et Labora. So 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 now you know if we're following the history of this guy, right? He did Agricola, he did like the two player and then he did uh, Caverna. Yeah. In between those he did a game called La Havre, which I think to date is still my favorite game. I like that one too. But Aura et Labora, which I guess means prayer and work, yeah. in Latin it translates yeah. to. Yeah. And Agricola is like Farmer in Greek or something like that. <laughs> but Orlebar is basically he took Agricola and La Havre and mashed them together. I know that's a real disservice to say like that, but in truth, like that sounds. I haven't played it. it you're doing very all that exciting stuff that you do, and you're doing all the stuff between those two games, and it's twice as dense and twice <laughs> as complex. 
And now we didn't we we did played it right, but we were playing I guess like the two player long version mixed with the two player short version to mm-hmm. make a super long version. Like somehow we which probably broke the game. <laughs> yeah, it broke the game a little bit. We ended up it almost went like four or four and a half hours long. Normally it's about three and a half. I think is probably where it should have sat, but yeah. uh, we were in the last few turns getting relics like crazy relics are these things that you have to spend resources to get other resources to get other resources to get other resources and turn those in to get this relic thing which is worth like 30 points well we were seeing the relics just get taken and scratching our head like this seems weird his games are so tight like why are we able to get so many relics like now the points are just through the roof and so sure enough we realized our mistake but it was dense and it was satisfying now i like maybe mallory the first time i played or labora I don't know if I could say I enjoyed the experience. <laughs> and, you know, looking back over the years, when I first played Agricola, I can't say I enjoyed the first time of that either. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I agree with Something that. Something about Agricola is that as the game went along, new actions would become available. And those actions you almost had to plan for. But if you've never but seen them... if you've them, never seen them, it feels like... You didn't know to plan for them, yeah. so then you're not ready for them when they come out. And then by the end of the game, you, you're way behind other people. And... So that kind of experience is, it can, you have to learn the game, and then you can, like you said, come back and reapproach it and push the walls. Yeah. Well, now, years later, when I try to work at Labora again, I felt, I was so intimidated to try it again, yeah. but maybe all those years of psyching myself of how complex it was, once I got it to it, I was like, this isn't nearly as bad as I remembered, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I feel like with a lot of heavy games, that tends to be people's... Uh, experiences of it that they don't like it as much on the first play but then they like it a lot more in subsequent plays like once you get a hold of all of the stuff that you have to learn you can see the strategies more and it's a lot more fun absolutely agree with that yeah so i'm just remembering is it called zina shift that should do it every puzzle has an answer is oh, I name? think it is. Oh, Zenoship, the cool mini or not? Yeah. I haven't yes. played that, okay. so. <laughs> I think that's what, that I sounds think I familiar. It. I think that's the name. And that is a deck builder, that's yeah. right. And I don't yeah. have Board Game Geek in front of me, so that just popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he, could, that he just, he remembered it. He figured it out. Xenoshift with an X and there's a Y in there as yeah. well. So. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I hear that's a good game. Um, yeah. Yeah, they lost. Oh, yeah. Well, any good co-op should... I think you should lose more often than win. Yeah. Because then, but you know, that makes it exciting, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I won't talk about the third game I played, the heavy game. Uh, it's not something we can discuss today, but in place of that game, I will say uh, I had a buddy, um, shout out to another buddy, my friend Steven. He, uh, he bought me on Steam. Um, Divinity Original Sin. Oh, I have that game. You were talking about it a few yeah. episodes ago. And, yeah. And he picked it up for me, and we got to play a few times over the Christmas break. And I don't know why I was not interested in it, because uh, I guess Pillars of Eternity was more capturing my attention. But I'll say, everybody tells how quirky it is, or silly, or doesn't take itself seriously. But now that we've gotten in past the first couple of hours into yeah. the story... I'm loving it. I mean, the moment when I accidentally try to uh, like destroy something to see behind a bookshelf, and I had the entire inn attacking us, and we had to like defend ourselves against the an AI entire is pretty inn. Interesting it in turned into a Fallout game, yeah. and we didn't survive. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it's fun. I'm, it really does have like that D and D feel. And playing with a friend, it's neat because you have to like 
make a decision and then they say, well, I don't really agree with that logic. And then you have this little duel of like battle of wills of like, well, I try to persuade one another and you finally can't agree. You get to do a paper, rock, scissors game. And yeah, I always lose cool. the paper, rock, scissors game. It's like, ugh, the party member won the argument. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a pretty unique co-op system, isn't yeah. it? It's really, it's not like any other games where you play with friends, like any other right. any other computer games where you play with friends. It's really unique. I agree. It's really rewarding. I, I, oh, so you're playing multiplayer. We're playing multiplayer. Oh my gosh! I didn't even think about that. I yeah. I that's interesting. That's the reason you picked up because oh, it so has you this both, great you multi- make decision together. together. Yeah. Oh, so that's oh, okay. you. I played it by myself. So when you play co-op with other people, you can both make the story decisions, and if you disagree. Then yeah, you do the rock paper scissors thing where if your character has a higher persuasion or charisma skill or whatever, uh, then you have an advantage over the over your friend. Right. You know? Okay. That's cool. It's really neat. It's a neat system. I think I yeah. see a Red Raven game night coming on. Yeah. <laughs> Steam How, night. Can you play with? What's the limit? I think up to four. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Like a you know standard D and D campaign. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Because that's what you would do playing a D&D game. You know? Exactly. Right. Let's let's kill the prisoner. No, we've got to save him. Exactly. Yeah, it's, kinda, a, yep. it's, it's exactly that kind of D&D pen and paper RPG system translated into a computer game in a way that I've never seen it translated elsewhere. Okay. I agree. You know? Yeah. The, and the, the battles. Aspect here's a spoiler. It. The battles don't take four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well... Yes, you mean for compared to D and D? Yeah, yeah. They do. Hey, D and D is fun, but those battles can take a long time. They can. It's still kind of a slow moving battle system because it's turn based, so it does still take a while to get through battles. But yeah, but when you you know, and I don't want to, I don't mean to diminish. I'm a huge role player. Everyone here at this table, we're all big role players. Oh yeah. yeah. But you know, there's there is something nice about having your character and you're specking the stats and putting your armor and getting those items and seeing those items like and putting them on your character and seeing how they change your character's appearance yeah and all that detail and the battles are like they are in like a black aisle type video game you know these kind of you know those turn-based uh yeah and it has kind of the action point system like the old fallouts did which i like yeah. And you can talk to animals. <laughs> yes, you can. I just got the animal t- trait perk where you can actually talk to them. And it's fun. Oh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. You know, like, I got that too. You can that. get you can get quests from the town cat. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, this How did they pack so much into that? There's so yeah. much in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, quick story. Back in the back when I was a kid, I bought Baldur's Gate and um, started playing and. I'm opening up the weapons to see what damage they do, and it says, like, 2d4, and I'm like, what the <laughs> heck is 2d4? Because I had not played D&D before yeah. that. And nowhere in the manual does it say what that means. Yeah. Like, the game is so... <laughs> nowhere in the game does it say what that means. It like expects it's so, you. It just expects you to know. Yeah. Well, what's worse is that when you went and scrolled over it in a piece of armor, and then you saw it say, oh, Thacko. Thacko. It's like... <laughs> no idea so i had no idea like what armor was better than what you know yeah 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 it's funny though funny experience yeah for sure all right let's get to questions if if, uh everybody was dying to talk about another one nope unless unless you let us okay let's no let's go to questions (laughs) so my my dad bought stardew valley now because i've been talking about playing it so much and 
He he just tweeted yesterday about how he can't figure out how to do anything in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're but, you're you've almost convinced me to buy it, and I wanted to buy it, but I just have so much to do. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fun game, though. I also want to chime in. I also was tempted to buy Stardew Valley. Didn't do I'm it because, selling it well because my friend gifted me this other game. I had a game yeah, there to, yeah. to yeah, occupy yeah. the time. Why my dad bought it is because he's now played like civilization so much he's gotten slightly bored of it because he can now win like every time on the hardest most extreme oh, god wow. difficulties super good at civilization <laughs> so he's like okay i should get another game <laughs> <laughs> but okay so we have a few questions today from uh liam granberry who sent me an email over the break his so his first question is in regards to lore so he wants to know what is the lore behind artificial intelligence and Iron Men in Red Raven Games titles? So, in general, yeah, we have a lot of those characters in our games. City of we Iron. We love robots. <laughs> we do, we do. You know, City of Iron has it. I guess, in general, there's a lot of those characters in Arzium games. And the lore is this. Uh, anciently, uh, you know, these creatures, these, these robots were created by advanced civilizations. But... In all of the Arzium games, there's sort of a, a falling of civilization. It's sort of a, I hate to say post-apocalyptic, because Arzium is not that kind of a place. It's more like thousands of years ago, there was an advanced civilization. It sort of fell apart, and there are ruins from that civilization, and ancient technology that's buried beneath the earth, and robots that still wander the, you know, the land, yes. and most of them have kind of forgotten you know, for some reason or other, their memory doesn't last thousands of years. So they've sort of forgotten the ancient times and they just live on through the years. Yeah, you get to you get to read a bit more about that lore and some characters connected to it in Near and Far. So you can look forward to that. Yeah, we really delve into that. So, yeah. So what do you call that, that type of setting? I mean, I, I think of like, the Shannara Chronicles or the Sword of Shannara or yeah. like even Star Wars, right? Where you yeah. have a setting and then there's like this ancient yeah. technology. Is that it's, it's kind of fantasy or is it a kind of science fiction? Yeah. I'd say it's very common. It's very common in fantasy stories. It is. And I think stories that have that will necessarily like no matter what the other surrounding things are, it's gonna feel like fantasy. I think that's a big yeah. part of why Star Wars feels like a fantasy series even though it's, you know, in space and they have spaceships and stuff. Lots of people will argue that it's fantasy and not sci-fi. And I think the big difference there is this is something that... Yeah, but they shoot lasers. Yeah, they shoot lasers, <laughs> but it feels like no, fantasy. No, fantasy. And they do have robots. <laughs> and they do have robots. But, see, Even what... the robots don't act like a, like a real robot would, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're definitely kind of fantasy robots, yeah, yeah. but... But one thing that my dad, who's also a writer like me, has always said is that the way he defines fantasy versus sci-fi yeah. is he says if a if a setting, if it looks to the past for a golden age, it feels like fantasy. Uh, if it looks to the future for a golden age, it feels like science fiction. So if there's some ancient civilization that's, you know, on the decline and all this lost technology and that's a focus of the lost setting. Magic or a lost like magic or something like that. A lost magic. A lost lore. Yeah. yeah. Then it, if there was some grand kingdom in the past that's now on the decline, it feels like fantasy. Yeah. Like you think about it, even Lord of the Rings, which was sort sure. of the codifier for the genre, is that way. Totally You've got that. 
you've got the elves who are on their way out of the world. Yeah. You know, like this is a some magical magical kingdom that's on the decline. Yeah, yeah. that's the, what the feels Numenor like fantasy. and all that is like yeah. it's on the decline, right? You know, and the rings are made in an ancient time. You know, and exactly. There's so much history that they go back and they talk about so much. Yeah. So basically, we have robots, but they're fantasy robots. They are. <laughs> so. That's a great definition. <laughs> yeah, like that, that is good. I learned yeah. something today. That's good. There you go. And then the second question, uh, he says, I too share your love of Harvest Moon. Have you, Brenna, ever played Agricola? The answer is no. You we may have figured that. <laughs> you may have figured that out from earlier in the podcast. I haven't played it. <laughs> no, it is it is one to four players, Brenna, or maybe one to five. So it is a solo. So yeah. you can oh, play yeah? a solo. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. I have not played the solo game, although I I I think maybe a computer game might be a better. Yeah. I don't you, know. You played I, you played the app version a lot. Yes, so. I have. But, oh you yeah, know, it's against AI. Years ago, when I was working a game store. Uh, we would do demos and, you know, you'd present the game that's the hot game. I would have Agricola set up, and yeah. if the store was slow, I remember taking a few turns here and there between <laughs> customers, and I will admit I did play a few solo games of yeah. it. It was needed. They basically, as you beat it, you'd score yourself, and then it would say something like, now add 20 to your score and start over, oh. but carry over one of your occupations or minor improvements. I can't remember that immediately starts in play with the next game. And then the next one would start with two in play, and then three in play, but your score got progressively more difficult. Uh, it was kind of a neat little huh. That's interesting. Thing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm sure we'll play it in the office someday, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Now, final question has two parts. Part one, would you, Brenna, and Ryan describe what a farming board game slash farm sim set in the style of Above and Below... Uh, but with the spirit of Agricola, would look and play like? <laughs> and would there be different crops, livestock, buildings, professions, a storybook? And then part two, have Andrew grade your efforts on a scale of one to ten on the air? <laughs> this okay. is a fun new game. Okay, we're going to design a game here. Okay, okay so we're going to design a game. This is a game. Well... Okay, farming sim in the style and in the setting of Above and Below. So he wants it in that place. He wants it in Above and Below. Okay. So he one of his questions there was storybook. It's got to have a storybook if we're going to do Above and Below. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to have the storybook. Um, now, wait a second. Are your ideas going to be separate? Because are you trying to lead Ryan in his idea here, Brenna? I think we're... I we're going to do a crazy I, think we're, I thought we were going to do it here. together. <laughs> yeah. We're just brainstorm, working on it together, <laughs> then you judge us. <laughs> just, just, just one skill. So now I'm like giving you a skill, judge, and then him, uh, it's just no, overall. It's overall no, no, no. Collaboration. Here's okay. the thing. Yeah. We, need, we, need, we need some kind of twist here. We it's can't true, just yeah. jump into this. because That's, that's a good point. Um, above and below is... It's already almost... It's kind of there. It's just simple, you know? You, you, I would just, like, you can't just make that complicated. I feel like the twist... Well, I don't know if this is a twist from above and below, but the twist on a standard farming sim is we've got to implement the below part. Okay. The caves. Yeah. Have that be involved in the farming and maybe some of the fantasy races and stuff like that. Okay, okay. Like you're a, you're a, you're a homestead of, uh, of Glogos. Yeah, well, actually, to... how about this? Let's make the farm underground. So yeah, you have exactly. to go. It's, yeah. The whole thing is underground. Maybe your Glogos. It's a Glogo farm. Okay, it's a Glogo <laughs> farm. Glogo farm, yes. Okay, now the things that... So we have to think, what are the things that Glogos need? Like, what, what would they be farming? They probably eat... 
fish, you know. Fish from the fish from the underground lakes. Okay. Got it. You can grow mushrooms underground. Yeah, they probably eat mushrooms. You could keep you could keep livestock. Yeah. And so meat if you want to deal with the fact that you're killing animals. And also, you know, dairy products. Yeah. It underground is a great place to age cheeses. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, and now implement cheese. Now cheese now, eating logos. Yes. Mm, yeah. Now let's see. Now, near, now nearby, maybe they could, um, you know, they'd be collecting like sulfur from a, a oh, cave. And they yeah. could use that. It could be like a resource they use. And maybe they're, in fact, maybe they're sort of like sulfur fiery lizards that they have to catch. And you mm. take them home, and then you can use those to heat your home. <laughs> yeah, because what you gotta okay. you gotta consider all the things that you would need to live solely underground. So you need so you need a balanced diet. You need yeah. food. Yeah. You need fresh water for drinking and to like do stuff with cleaning yeah. stuff like that. You need so you, heat because it's gonna be cold underground. So yeah. that would be where so you, you need do the, the fiery lizards. lizard guys. Yeah. yeah. Now you'd have to to get water. You'd have to. Uh, you'd, like you'd direct have to, uh, like springs or yeah, something like, like that? Yeah, you'd either, you'd either have to like go back and forth to springs or you'd have to find some way to build like a canal, yeah. you know, build irrigation. Now, is this a worker placement game? I guess it would have to be. I feel be. like it would have to be. So what's going to make it, what's going to give us a twist? Like maybe we should make our workers... Uh, well, I have an idea. Okay, all right. Am I allowed to? Am I breaking the rules here? Can I throw an idea Okay, so Glogos are sensitive to light. Yeah, and they basically light is damaging to them. So there would be have to be light would be like a resource or something that is they take negative penalties for. Okay, right? Maybe and you have to go above ground occasionally to get stuff to like get important going, things, and you yeah. have to and you have to you take do light something. Damage. It's like yeah. radiation. You have to do something to mitigate to mitigate the light damage when you go above ground to get things that you need. Maybe via trading with the villagers who oh, live yeah. above ground or something like that. Yeah, when you go trading or like maybe occasionally they need wood so they have to go like chop it down at the forest but going above ground. Oh, there could be a day-night cycle. So it, oh, that's day, a good idea. You take damage but if you wait till night then you don't have to take the damage. Yeah, if there's a yeah. day-night cycle in your turns and in when you're placing your workers that's an interesting new gameplay twist. Yeah. And maybe weather. And weather. <laughs> Make it more complicated. If it's an overcast day, you don't take as much oh, damage when you go true. above ground. That's true. That's neat. Yeah. So, uh, you know, talked about a lot of the themes so, and some of the mechanics. So, what is the end goal? What's the objective? Like, what's, what, who, how are you going to win the game? So, the objective is to. That's a good question. I mean, is this going to be a sort of a victory point salad thing, or is there going to be one goal that you're shooting for? Are you trying to get that one ring? You, you're Are trying you to like, make the one... The one ring to get back ring. to your clan. You're, you're, <laughs> to go, like, go back to your murky little cavern. And <laughs> if you're, if you're, com- you're, competing, you're competing families who live in this new Glogo village, and you're trying to become like the best farmer and merchant so you can be elected leader of the Glogo's Merchant Guild. There you go. <laughs> could do could that. Be an end, could be an end goal. Yes. Or oh, oh, yeah. you more. could, uh, maybe there's a shoot for the moon thing where you also can arm all of your guys. And if oh. you end up having like enough weapons, maybe weapons are like negative points. But if you end up with like 20 weapons, you just win. You just so, take over. So the game is called Gloverna, basically, <laughs> right? <laughs> it does have right, the folks, underground This will be out thing. in uh, two years. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be completely... Um, 
subjective here, right? Because I'm going to be rating yeah. and rating uh-huh. ideas. So um, I think those are all great ideas. I think the idea of the Glogo, you know, clan, the underground farmer Glogo clans. Now, I think we missed some points here on going up above with a day and night cycle, taking damage. You guys said trading with the people. I think that was a, that was a huge misstep. <laughs> if anything, it should be hiding and running from the people they're trying to go out and chop down the wood before the people find them and like you have time uh, that's to true get... when you're adventuring above and below how many times do you attack, attack the glogos terribly so so the glogos gotta be like fearing for the life but they have to go up there the they... evil human villagers yeah you yeah. ever seen the movie the village that girl's like she's like trying to go out and get what she needs and get back right uh, so um that's funny. so i would say you know uh i think because it's tying into the above and below world, it's great. Let's give that a uh, we'll give that a nine out of ten. <laughs> I think having the Glogos is very thematic. People are going to love having underground farming and set in the same world. So we'll say yeah, maybe eight out of ten, a six on a ten out of ten oh, on the love. missing that theme part there. Uh, but I really like the day, the night and day cycle, and mm-hmm. I like all this talk about like the farming, and different type of resources and things like that. Yeah, I will say though, you got to get some negative marks here. We're talking farming sim and what makes it distinct. I'm surprised no one talked about the dating sim element of the uh, farming sim. Oh, yeah. Above and below, everyone's always well, naturally dating. telling the story <laughs> gotta of... Have, gotta have the dating of sim. Of the dating sim stuff, right? Oh, and we, we completely forgot to talk about how the storybook would be implemented. Oh, yeah. No, and that would be, would be, the storybook would be the dating. Exactly. Go, go ahead. Right. I'll, I'll give you a second to, 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 right. to talk about it. I was just going to say, in, in classic Harvest Moon games and in games like that, how the dating sim element works basically is, you know, you give someone presents until they like you, but yeah. then you do these events where it's just a little short event with the other character where you make a decision that either makes them like you more or less. Yeah. So we could do those sort of hard event style, like little storybook encounters where you're trying to win over your spouse. So that could, <laughs> and that could give you, eventually you get married and you have your Glogo kids and then you have more workers. You can, you can force your children to work for you on the farm. Oh, I don't know. I love that idea. Can you imagine <laughs> if you had like Glogos not having good relationship things when they go to explore above? One doesn't want to go with a certain... They refuse like to you. work with certain people <laughs> doing the certain actions together. Relationship <laughs> dynamics in a board game could be really interesting. Yeah. I feel like that's something unexplored. That hasn't been explored. Like, I right guess now. there's kind of love letter that's a little bit of yeah. a sort of a competitive dating sim in a board game. But yeah. you don't really have that, you know, having all these different characters that you're trying to win over. And I think our style of storybooks could work really well <laughs> for a board game dating sim. So look for that from Red Raven Games 2018. <laughs> you can date a Glogo. <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the game. So, so the, pi- <laughs> the name of the game is You Can Date a Glogo. <laughs> so the pitch is strong, but I need to know, is, is there... Is there going to be relationship dynamics playing out in this game? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what? you got, yeah. It. You got yeah. it. Yeah, all right, yeah. it's gonna happen. Okay, you know Just, this is totally is that subjective. Gonna get us an extra point. I work at Red Raven, so we're gonna go nine out of ten for concept. <laughs> I think it's strong. I think we're just gonna get. Uh, I think yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think right. our studio okay. executive is like, I like it. <laughs> okay, so it. build it. <laughs> so tweet at us what your ratings are <laughs> you can judge us too and also make fun of us for not remembering the name of that game forever so <laughs> yeah, yeah. social it. media engagement <laughs> okay now it's time for the tip 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 of the week the tip of the week is get up from your computer 
regularly. <laughs> it's helpful. It's healthy for you. Um, it's hard. Uh, for me, having done this for a couple of years now, I'm getting to the point where it can be really hard to sit at a computer all day. I mean, I guess that's what everyone does in their job now. You kind of just get to work and you sit at your computer all day. And, um, man, if I... If I'm working on a project, like really a really intense project, eight hours of that, my brain is hurting, you know, and my body is hurting too. I yeah. don't know. There's, there's something like when you don't get to move around, it, it, it's painful. So um, this is kind of a weird thing. But what I have done is I've started juggling because it lets me stand up for a minute and I can just sort of juggle for, you know, a minute or two and then sit back down. What I've actually heard is that... Um, Sitting is bad for you, but you can sort of negate the negative aspects if you get up every half hour Mm -hmm. and do something. Go get some water. Go to the bathroom. Go look out the window. Something like that. And so that's something I've tried to do. Do five jumping jacks. Do five jumping jacks. You know, it's not like you have to go out and do this big, like, you don't have to go jogging or something. But, uh, and I have found that actually doing that is helpful for me mentally as well. You know, my brain gets so... um, confused and muddled if I don't give it a little break so that helps me creative you know in my creative side as well yeah yeah and uh you know sitting in front of a computer all day you know typing or working with your mouse or even drawing can cause repetitive stress injuries if you're not careful about it like uh, I know I've had problems before with like kind of like carpal tunnel, but it's in your elbow, so it's the other side of your hand that's going numb or whatever. Oh yeah. But that sort of thing can happen where you get you get injuries that you wouldn't get otherwise if you were moving around, stretching around, not doing the same thing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I know my wife. Uh, uh, she's a fitness uh, person, and she uh, has a, a watch that like gives her constant reminders, like you need to get up again oh. and do something. Oh that's yeah. Helpful. And so like help, it does that, and then. You know, I know in other cultures, I wish we did it in this country, but like I was, I remember watching this uh, documentary about Hayao uh, Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Yeah. And they kept showing during like every few hours at work, everyone would get up and start doing like exercises as like an office. I think in like Mm -hmm. Japan and other cultures, it's like every office place has that. Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Oh man, you would have to at that place. In in Japan, especially in the animation industry, they also do work crazy long hours and work themselves hard and and a lot of don't get paid a lot of a lot of like big famous japanese animators and manga artists and stuff have died really young because it's not good for their health so i mean they're not the perfect example but that one thing is nice that's good i think it's like a requirement in in like the business places there in japan it's like a law requirement they they have like a person who's like in charge and says everyone get up and everyone has to start doing like Jumping jacks or exercises. That's so, nice. Yeah, that's Who's going to be the taskmaster here in our office? <laughs> Get the whip out. Yeah. yeah. Jumping jacks. <laughs> now. Now. No, I've, I've heard that. some calisthenics. So I have heard that, uh, yeah, at the anime industry, you know, 16-hour days, it's, sitting, it's, drying at a desk, it's you know, getting really, paid nothing. It's really tight and harsh production schedules that yeah. they have. So, yeah. yeah. Painful. So yeah. the the tip really is... You're going to be at work, you're going to be sitting at a desk and working on your computer, you're going to go home to rest and relax and sit down at a desk (laughs) on a computer. Yeah. (laughs) Or sit down and play board games or sit down and watch Netflix. (laughs) That's my biggest struggle, like even, even more than, you know, sitting and working on a computer all day. If 
I have a day off, it's such a temptation to sit and game on a computer all yeah. day and like move around even less. So yeah. like, yeah, you got to watch hard. out for that in every aspect of your life. This is a very practical tip of the week for <laughs> New <really> Year's, <laughs> your New Year's resolution. Stand up every half hour, move around a bit. This is not really a game design, but just life in general. Yeah, there you go. That's I remember in uh, Hearthstone in World of Warcraft, they say after several oh. hours of playing, really? you might want to take a break from playing. You well, <laughs> well some people have died. used to do that. Oh, really? Well, or at least like you know, after so long of it just auto playing, it'll be like, are you still watching? <laughs> are you still here? Maybe you should get up. <laughs> go Maybe you should something. go do something else for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Then you just click. Nope, I'm here. I'm gonna continue with it. Just ignore it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Blizzard people have died playing Blizzard games. Yeah. <laughs> People can get obsessed. Like in, in South Korea. So, All right. Thanks for joining us this week. You can visit our website, redravengames.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there, which I highly suggest that you do because it'll keep you updated on our future Kickstarters and our upcoming games and anything else we have. Yeah, and we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. We've got the Near and Far will be coming out in May. Islebound Metropolis is coming out soon. January 25th. Yep, we've got a uh, an app version of Eight Minute Empire is in the works. Yes, that they've been uh, posting about starting some beta tests on that soon. So excellent. So there's a lot of exciting stuff. So you want to keep up with us. So follow us on Twitter and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you can also follow me personally on Twitter at Brenna underscore Aspland, and you can follow Andrew at at. Something. <laughs> Isn't Something it Enderfrick? <laughs> Enderfrick. At Enderfrick 1. There we go. Critical thinking is the key to success. There, okay. okay, there you go. <laughs> and one more thing, uh, just on the note of all these things you can check out when you're on the website and such, we, do, we did just uh, announce on the website a new uh, event volunteer program called the Red Raven Journey Program. So if you're interested in helping out and running demos or events uh, in here in the United States, go on the website and check that out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a good week. See you later. Happy gaming. Nevermore. Nevermore.